Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're starting a new series called Good News. It's our series for the month of April. It is good news. It is good news. <laughs> That's some good news that we're doing that series. No, it's good news, you know, that the message of church, the message of our faith, the message of God, the message of Jesus Christ is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Maybe you might have been raised in a way that you've been brought to believe that church is a place where you come to get yelled at or condemned or judged harshly or made to feel bad. But I want you to know that God does not want to make you feel bad. I'm pretty sure that he knows you feel bad enough already. Most people I meet already feel bad. They've got regrets hanging in the closet. They've got guilt from things that happened in the past. They've got baggage that they're carrying around. They already feel bad. God wants to make you feel better, actually. That's the plan. That's why you come to church. That's why you're in a community of believers. That's why you're connected to him, because he wants to make you feel better, not make you feel bad. He actually wants to take stuff off you, relieve you of it. So you don't have to carry that anymore. That's his objective. God hates people being sick. We were just praying that he would heal people from being sick because he hates people being sick. He doesn't make you sick. He hates it when you're sick. His plan is that you get better. So if you're sick now, I'm sorry to hear that, but the plan is he wants you to get better. That's his objective. He wants to lead you into good places. You know that psalm that talks about a good shepherd who leads people beside still waters. Well, that's him. He wants to help you find good places to be, nice communities to be a part of, places where you feel you belong and you make a contribution that's valued. That's, where he, that's what he wants. And he wants you to be successful. He actually wants to actively promote your success. He does, the, you know, I've, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I thought... Being successful, like having a successful career, that sort of success, I thought that was somehow wrong. Like, you know, people would get proud in their heart and they would need to be smashed down. But no, actually, God needs us and wants us all to be successful in our various fields. He wants us to be successful as people and feel like we're a successful person and kick goals and get things done and make an impact. He wants that. And he'll, he, will, he will push you to it better than anybody to make sure that you succeed. All the news about God is good news, not bad news. Proverbs 15.30 says, Good news gives health to the bones. Health to the bones. Who wants healthy bones? I want healthy bones. That's right. What's the opposite of healthy bones? Osteoarthritis. Something like that. So calcium... And good news, that's a good, good mixture there. Get a bit of calcium in you and get some good, receive some good news regularly as well. Maybe you could make a milk brand called Good News. Good News Milk. Good News Milk. For those who want healthy bones. Um, good news, <laughs> let's move on. Good news increases your well-being. It, it just makes you feel good. It's such a relief to hear good news. It's such a pleasure. To hear good news. Now let's try some on you. Um, you've won the lotto and you're now a multi-millionaire. How's that feel? 
How's that good news feel? That would be pretty good, good news to get, right? How about, oh, oh, you succeeded in the process and you won the promotion. Congratulations. How's that good news? Feels good to hear, right? You know the reaction that it spurs inside you? Or the blood test came back and everything is totally normal, all good. That's good news, right? It's a relief to hear good news. It's fantastic. It, makes, it generates a certain kind of response. How about this? I bet not many wives have heard this from their husbands or girls have heard this from their boyfriends. I was wrong. You were right. I apologize. That's good news, right? You love hearing that. That's some good news right there. I'm telling you, girls, if your boyfriend cannot bring himself to say that, don't marry him. That's a dead-end road down there. It's essential equipment for every man. He needs to be able to say those words, even if only to one person in his life. How about this good news? Unfortunately, your mother-in-law can't make it for the weekend, so you'll just have to go to the footy instead. (laughs) Oh, dear. The reactions, though, right? The reaction to good news. Yeah, hey, that's great. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, that's beautiful. There's already plenty of bad news in the world. The last thing people need from us when we're telling them about our faith is more bad news. They've got enough. It's all good. Turn on the TV. There's a, there's a war in that country. There's famine in that country. There's another, you know, the 15th um, cyclone of the year in Queensland. There's floods. There's devastation. People lost their homes. And that's just like the first 15 minutes of the news before they go to an ad break. There's plenty of, plenty of bad news around. People don't need bad, more, more bad news from us. They need good news from us, right? <coughs> I'll never forget the moment fumbling around in the dark trying to find the phone because it was ringing and it woke me up. And, you know, when you're in that kind of, I'm, I'm awake, but I'm sort of stumbling around, finding the phone to pick it up to hear my mother tell me that my brother was dead. I'll never forget that moment. Bad news. Who needs to hear that? Nobody should hear that. A parent certainly should not hear that about their child. Parents should die first. That's what I'm, I'm sticking with that. No, sorry, Mum and Dad, you're still here, so <laughs> I can't go. <laughs> but the, the reaction that you just experienced should not be the reaction people experience when we start telling them about our faith. It should be the other one. You've won lotto, right? Mark chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. The good news. There's four eyewitness accounts. You know, I was there, I saw the whole thing over a period of four or five years, and I wrote everything down just as I saw it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament of the Bible. Four eyewitness accounts of the good news. The good news told from four different perspectives. They've been come to become known as the Gospels, which means good news. These are the good newses, all four of them. And they're all slightly different to help people with different personalities and to see things from different angles and all that sort of stuff. So it's like the same story, and it's all good news. They explain in these books that Jesus' mission, it might have seemed counterintuitive to his followers at the time, but Jesus' mission was not to set up a kingdom right there and then, overthrow the Romans and rule as king. When he said kingdom, he meant something else, and his mission was you. Jesus' mission when he came was me. 
he looked down through the lens of time and saw us and said, I have to find a way. I have to make a way so that I can be in relationship with them, with him, with her, with him, with her. I've got to. And he succeeded and he achieved his mission. And now there is a way. And that's good news. That is great news. Mark 1 verse 15, just a bit further down the same chapter, it says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Everyone say repent and believe. Right, repent and believe. Why on earth would this news, this news about Jesus, mean that I have to repent? When I was a little kid, I thought repentance was groveling around on your knees and feeling terrible and wailing and crying, you know, feeling looking like death warmed up, refusing to eat, tearing your hair out, just so distraught. I thought, that's repentance. That's what repentance means. But that's not what repentance means. Repentance literally means, well, sometimes when we realise we've been wrong or we've done wrong, of course we feel bad. Of course we say sorry. Of course we do those things. I'm not saying don't do those things. But repentance is not that. Repentance is changing your mind. By an act of your will, with fresh evidence in play, you choose to stop believing what you have been believing and start believing this new truth instead. That's repentance. So why should I have to repent before I can choose to believe this good news about Jesus? Because I've obviously been believing something else. And I have to stop believing that first. Yet we need the humility to say, I was wrong to believe that. I turn away from it and I accept this good news that I've heard. Because there is an anti-spiritual, anti-Christ force in this world. I sure hope you realise that. And the force is strong with this one. And the Bible says that that force, that voice that controls the airwaves, is temporarily governing this world. Kind of calling the shots. It's trying to loudly, not subtly, convince people God's irrelevant, God's not even real, it's just a fantasy for people to believe in, to make themselves feel better, or God, you need to keep him at a distance because he's kind of dangerous and something to be scared of, or he's just like a mean old man in a bad mood. All these pictures, all these messages about God, totally false. I know that because I've been in a relationship with God for 40 years. I know that it's false, but it's screaming at everybody all around you all the time. First, you have to repent of believing that. You have to stop believing that bad news about God. And then you can accept the good news about God. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Cool. There you go. The Bible says that at the point you do that, repent and believe, you become born on the inside, like something comes alive that wasn't there before, and you're alive inside, deep inside in your spirit in a way you weren't before. And it's very hard to articulate it, but once you experience it, it feels good. It's great. It's like a spiritual reality. 
So it's a bit hard to package it, and it's also slightly different for every person. So it's hard to make rules about it. But the point is, you repent and believe, and something changes forever. Uh, Acts 13, verse 32, and I think it goes on to 33, guys, sorry about that, says, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us by raising up Jesus. Beautiful. And then further in the same chapter in verse 38, it says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Imagine being set free from every sin. That sounds pretty free, right? That's like free, free. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law. No matter how good you are, no matter how many brownie points you think you've earned, no matter how bad you think you are not compared to that guy over there who's much worse than you, under the law, where we're doing all that stuff and comparing ourselves to other people, you just can't get justified. But because of what Jesus did, you can be freed from every sin and totally justified and you're all okay and I'm okay too and so is the worst person you can think of. You can be washed clean of all your guilt and shame, forgiven for everything you've ever done, every wrong you've ever thought that nobody else knows about and you don't lift a finger to get free. You just believe and accept what Jesus has done. That's it. It's hard to believe, right? It's like one of those Ponzi schemes. Too, too good to be true? What, Stu? Even an axe murderer? Why do we go all the way to an axe murderer straight away? I mean, anyway. But yes, even them, even the worst offender you can imagine, could they receive the same forgiveness? Yes. It doesn't work unless we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Them and us. You might not be an axe murderer. Thank you. I appreciate it. Didn't bring your axe to church today? Love it. (laughs) Something I try to do really hard all day, every day at school. I'm a school teacher. And my growing specialization is student services, behavior management. Something I try really hard to do all the time is to separate the person from the behavior. I say, hi, good to see you, we have a relationship, unfortunately we need to talk about this behaviour. I try to make it clear that I accept them as a person, I even like them as a person, but I cannot accept that behaviour. So let's work together to eliminate that behaviour. I do my best and I do a pretty good job of it, but God does it perfectly. I love you and accept you like you cannot imagine. But I cannot accept your sin. I'll have to figure out a way to deal with that sin so that I can be with you. Here's the way. Jesus paid the price on my behalf. All I've got to do is believe and accept. Okay, good. That's dealt with. Freed from sin. Awesome. Let's hang out. Separates the person from the sin. And it's really hard to separate them especially with things where the voice of the world is screaming about them. You cannot reject what I do or you are rejecting me. They like to package it up like that. And I go, well, actually, wrong. 
I do not accept what you do, but I love you. And God does the same. Separate the person from the sin. Beautiful. Um, the Jews in this audience, that, that thing I just read from Acts is actually Paul, the Apostle Paul, preaching a, a sermon like I'm doing now. And they, they rejected the message. They went, <laughs> and they also shouted out and argued about it. And then they also mocked Paul and Barnabas while they're, <laughs> while they're mocking. It would be like someone standing up at the back there and starting to scream out at me. You know, oh, you're full of it. Oh, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. While I'm trying to keep on, don't do that. Or I've got, I've got some muscle that'll take you out. Just warning you for Euthron tonight, today. <laughs> if you've ever been mocked for your faith at university, well, welcome to the club of the good news that is hard to believe until you first repent. The force is strong in university. And I'm going to advise my kids before you go to university, read Ephesians and get your armour on because you're going to need it. Because, because, you know, they won't just leave you alone at university. They won't go, you're free to believe whatever you like. I totally disagree with you, but good luck to you. No, I will attack you and try to force, embarrass and humiliate you into recanting from that and becoming like me. You're like, dude, just back off and leave me alone. But they won't. So you've got to be ready. I've seen heaps of people in their late teens going to university all, oh, isn't this lovely? Twelve months later, they've fallen away from their faith and it takes them three years to get back because they're just not ready. They haven't got their game face on. Oh, okay. The spirit of this age is in the university. I better be ready. I better know who I am. I better know whose I am. I better know what I'm here for. Hmm. Alrighty, John 14, starting at verse 25, says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So when the disciples were told the grand plan, they didn't like it. They couldn't hear it. So you're going to set up your kingdom. Awesome. Let's get some weapons. No, no, I'm going to set up my kingdom, and first I'm going to go away. Hang on, hang on, hang on. If you go away, how are you going to set up your kingdom again? We're not going to set up for you while you're gone. You better be here for it. It's like the five-year-old kid who dad says, I've got to go away for a few days. <laughs> to go away dad but when I get back I'm going to bring a pony because <laughs> I've got to go pick it up but the kids too to even hear you're like hey hey I'm coming back but oh, they won't even listen they can't hear they can't get past I'm leaving they can't get past I'm going away and um, Jesus has got the same problem here weren't you listening to the last part guys didn't you hear the last essential part you know has anyone ever missed the last essential part of something Yes, that's right. <laughs> like, you know, when you're a school teacher and you're giving instructions, <laughs> don't say, all right, everybody sit down at your desks and take out your pens and books and then we're going to go to this website and then I want you to look up, I want you to tell me three main things about too much. They're just, all they heard was sit down and get out your pen. And they started doing it and ignoring you. 
So you have to say, all right, everyone sit down and get out your pens and, text, pens and notebooks and then look at me. And you wait. And then you wait till they've all done it. And then you go, right, now go to this website. And then you wait. Because <laughs> they can't hear the essential last bit. Just like these people couldn't when Jesus was... The last bit was the bit that was so good. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but... I've only been in one place at one time. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who can be everywhere at once. For most people I've met, the best news ever is this second bit here. You do not have to be afraid anymore. Imagine that new kind of life where you've got the Holy Spirit with you and you're not afraid anymore. Imagine not worrying about future decisions because you've got like a guide, a companion who's with you all the time who can guide you. What should I do now? Should I do that? Imagine not having to deal with nervousness because you can receive peace as a gift from Jesus. My peace, I give to you. My peace, I leave with you. Imagine that. Jesus promised that this transformation is going to happen. He's been with people physically. He's been eating a meal with them, talking to them, teaching them, touching them. But he's just one guy in one place. This is like level, you know, this is... This is God 2.0 when the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus is going, I'm going, but you know what? You're getting an upgrade. It's all good. The Holy Spirit's constantly with you and in you when you've repented and believed. As soon as you get born again like that, the Holy Spirit's with you and in you. And the best news on planet Earth is that with him, you can remember everything you need to know about Jesus' teachings. What was that Bible verse I read again? Bing! There it comes. It's not that your memory's magically increased. It's that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of everything that Jesus taught. It's part of his job, part of his mission. The minute you check in with him and go, oh, I can't remember that, that verse about, uh, boom, there it comes. It's incredible. I love that. While you're hearing this message at church each Sunday, you're actually hearing a slightly different version of it to everyone else. Did you know that? He is active in the room and customizing it for you. I love when people come up to me and say, that was a great sermon. I loved what you said about blah, blah. And I go, hmm, don't remember saying that, but good for you. you. You got something from the Lord. That was nothing to do with me. That's awesome. <clears throat> cool. You can live in a peaceful state that you never thought possible. Seriously. You never have to be lonely again. Never. Because he's always with you. You're going to like get stuff off your chest and talk to him anytime. You can ask him stuff anytime and he'll answer. He'll give you an idea to solve a problem at work. He's just that practical. He wants to be talked to. He wants to be listened to. He wants to be in relationship with us. Not just one where we put him on a shelf at home and leave him there for the day and go to work, but one where he comes with us and we talk to him all day and we check in with him and go, oh, what, what, what approach should I take in this meeting? And he actually gives you an idea and you go, that's actually really great. And you go in with that approach and the meeting goes really smoothly. And you come back out and go, thanks, big guy. <laughs> that was awesome. That's what I do anyway. I talk to him like that. You don't have to talk to him like that. He knows it's respectful. Cool. Um, I'll just close with this. The biggest thing that makes the good news hard to hear is that Jesus doesn't just kind of go, come and go as you please, use me and abuse me however you like, I'll roll out the red carpet and when you're in the mood, 
you know, you can sort of connect with me and then disconnect again. It's not quite like that. He is expecting a proper relationship. He gave up everything for it. He laid down everything, left nothing in the tank. His whole life laid down to try to make this relationship happen. And the best way it works is when we do the same. And we just go, okay, I'm in. No holds barred. You know, I don't want you to be in the passenger seat of the car of my life. I want you to take the driver's seat. You take the wheel. I'll sit here. You just guide me. Take over. Don't just be my saviour. Don't just be my escape clause. Be my Lord. Show me what to do. I will follow you. It's not a case of Jesus following us. No matter what happens from now on, because I've repented and believed, it's just you and me together. Whatever we face, we'll face it together. Awesome. And that's how it's supposed to be. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.